Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us as he does every Saturday at this time, one of our favorite contributors. He hunts, he fishes, and occasionally even talks on the radio. Nate Zielinski, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, You know, we've got some things going on. We've got, we've got some fires burning in some areas. They're going to change some people's plans, and they have to be aware of it. We've got this cold front coming in the week that I actually think is going to improve most hunting and fishing. Maybe not doves, but big game, and, and, and I think it's really going to improve the fishing. And we're just in the middle of so much, Nate. How are you picking what to do? Oh, it's crazy, Terry. You know, again, the, like we said, the last two weeks, you know, a lot of things changing. Fires, you know, road closures, uh, drought, you know, uh, bar lakes and fish salvage, you know, jumbos in those same situations. Um, just so much going on. But, I mean, the, the hunting season is off with a bang. You know, doves open, uh, you know, wrapping up or wrapping up the pronghorn archery season, elk and deer in full swing. Um, you know, moose opens this coming weekend on the 12th. Um, you know, mountain goat, I believe, opens on the 8th. So they're, they're rifle hunt for, for sheep, I think, is the 8th. Um, regardless, this week it is everything happening. Um, and honestly, we're off to a really good start. Um, a lot of the big game hunters are having huge success. Um, and I think on top of the changing conditions, kind of the change of the hunting date, this coming Tuesday is going to add some weather changes uh, that are full-blown going to do nothing but help the outdoorsmen. Now, uh, I'm sure that your wife and mine are in the same uh, you know, vote as far as wanting to uh, avoid what's happening Tuesday. But regardless, it's coming, and it is going to seal the deal on fall. It is going to push everything uh, into those fall patterns. I think it's really going to just, just absolutely jumpstart and put the rut for elk in full swing. Um, it's going to make the animals spend more, more time during the day on their feet. Uh, so just, yeah, a lot going on, a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, so it's great to be an outdoorsman here in Colorado. Now, if I was planning some big game hunts or I'm out there, after do I how much adjustment do I have to make after this Tuesday? You know, it's going to get probably down below freezing, and certainly in the high country it will. Could be some snow on the ground. It's going to warm up again after that, but those animals remember that and starts to move them. Do I have to kind of think back at my scouting and readjust my approach? You know, the biggest thing that it's going to do is it, uh, I mean, number one, if you can hunt, I think, Monday, uh, I can't imagine we're not going to get wind with that kind of thermals coming in. So I, I assume we're going to kind of have a windier day Monday, but I do think you're going to have a spike in animal activity on Monday just because they're going to feel that storm coming. So I think that's going to be a good thing. Um, and then Tuesday, I think really the only effects you're going to really see and what you're going to plan for as a, as a hunter uh, is if you are currently hunting water. So if you're elk, deer, bear, whatever, any animals that you're hunting where you're associating that animal drinking, um, I think that's obviously going to cut out for a few days. I definitely think we're going to have a lot of snow on the ground. Um, so just the moisture they're going to get off the grass they're feeding on, um, let alone you'll fill up every little you know nook and cranny with some water. Um, I think the water hole hunts are going to stop for a couple days. And you're right, it is going to bounce back warm, um, and those water hole opportunities, hunting wallows, things like that, will continue after this. Uh, but I definitely think you're going to have a, a slowdown in the water hunts for a couple days, so I would adjust for that. Um, I do think you're going to have a massive spike in the rut. A lot of times when we have these cold fronts kick in, 
um, you know, it'll, you know, dang near instantly get, get some cows uh, in heat. And I think those bulls are just going to fire up in those temperatures. So I think from taking kind of an easy approach to really slowly easing into the calling of elk that we are doing right now, um, I think Tuesday you're going to have those opportunities. I would go into Tuesday um, with nothing in mind but, but a lot of cow calls. Be that vocal cow, um, you know, that, that's looking for a harem, that's looking to be bred. Um, and I think you're going to have some tremendous success. So I really think that Tuesday, Wednesday, um, you're going to see uh, a, a ton of opportunity on the elk hunting side. And I think a lot of bulls are going to hit the ground uh, due to that. So I think it, it's tremendous what this weather is going to do for that. Um, so, so I'm excited about that. And then so far, I mean, a lot of, a lot of bulls are, are getting harvested here in Colorado as far as the opportunity. We're seeing uh, it, it's pretty traditional that some of the younger bulls bulls are, are getting taken early in the season they're obviously the the big bulls know that a lot of the cows aren't quite ready to be bred yet um but as you're calling those younger bulls that are trying to make a name for themselves trying to you know be be the bigger than what they are um those bulls are are very good about coming into those calls so we're seeing a lot of those younger bulls getting harvested so far a few good bulls kind of mixed in um and really i think this is the week uh coming off that full moon got a cold front coming in this is kind of the ideal situation for that rut so um, I think, you know, this week is when everything's going to hit that home run as far as the elk rut go, the calling opportunities, uh, and really your general success on elk hunting. So, again, we started off with a bang, uh, but that's only going to increase. I think you're really going to see the, the overall herd mentality of these animals come out and some of those bigger bulls really get, uh, have the opportunity to harvest them this week. So that's huge. Um, the deer right now, we're still in velvet. I actually saw a hard horn buck this morning. Um, so I think we're on the tail end of that velvet. I think Tuesday will we'll do that in for us. So I do think that you're going to see this week the the deer shed that velvet um if not in the next two three days um and that obviously changes the pattern a little bit. You know, testosterone starts to flow, makes them rub it off. Um, you see some of these bucks go from hanging in summer groups to being independent. Um, and you see some of them retreat from the high country once that velvet comes off. Um, just general patterns change. So if you have a deer tag, get out hunt hard the next couple of days while your patterns are continuing. Uh, and then once that, once that velvet comes off and these bucks are hard horned, um, just anticipate that you're going to have some change in patterns. But for a lot of people that might not be on deer right now, those patterns might help you because where you aren't seeing deer you might now see deer um so just more be aware that, that things are going to change in the deer world and be ready for it um and then finally i think we're probably off to one of the most successful bear seasons we've ever had in colorado now i obviously don't have any sort of factual data um i'm literally just watching you know social media posts friends i, I run in a very large hunting group uh you know I, I hear from people statewide i try to keep up on everything um and i've never heard of this many bears hitting the ground uh, in the season. So I don't know. I mean, generally speaking, a drought year helps with that, uh, makes the bears move around more, cover more ground to get food. Uh, you know, the drought's going to cut off those raspberries a little early. It's not going to help the acorns. So those bears spend more time looking for food and they spend more time during the day uh, on their feet than they do at night. You know, bears are you know very notorious to be a nighttime animal. Um, so the drought is going to help that. And so far, I would say that is 100% the case. Again, I've seen more bears uh, on the ground than I've ever seen, at least in, in my time here in Colorado. So, so that's great to see just to help with those those harvest numbers there so uh we're off to a bang and it's, it's only gonna get better so what what's considered a big black bear in colorado i mean what do you see size of the animals you know, Terry, it, it's so crazy because in that world, uh, I mean, when you are a non-hunter and or a person that's not around bears, 
I mean, you see a 200-pounder, and you are going to think it is the biggest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, in reality, in Colorado, we, I mean, it's rare, but, you know, our bears will get to 30 years of age. Um, I mean, we have bears that will that'll touch that 500-pound mark, um, you know, honestly. And that's going to be a 7-foot-plus squared bear. So when we say the, the footage is actually on a squared tan hide. Uh, but regardless, you, you can get those bears in the, you know, 400 and, and you know, maybe brushing that 500 pound range but it is rare i would say that the average bear harvested in colorado um you know i would say from my knowledge and from what i've seen the average bear is probably going to be in that 175 to, to, to 200 pound range that's gonna be a five foot bear that's a very common bear you know they're five to ten years old um and that's really what you see a lot of here in the state i um, mean we do see all color phases i saw cinnamon yesterday um but blacks brown cinnamons you get all kinds of color phases they're all you know a black bear as far as the species goes but you do get a lot of color phases but uh, again common size gonna be that 175 200 pounds people are following my instagram page uh they've seen that i've been out every day since the second chasing the bear um i have not posted a picture but i am on one of those upper uh sizes of bears right now um i can tell you that this bear's uh smarts are coming with its size um I, I, he does not even want to give me an opportunity. He's covering a lot of ground. He's kind of showing up here and there, but uh, I haven't even been close uh, to, to having a good opportunity at him yet. But there's a huge bear in the area that I'm hunting, and uh, I'm trying hard to, to track it down. But a lot of opportunity for bears. And, again, um, our bear population is doing extremely well in Colorado. Um, so, so it's great. There's a lot of opportunities for hunters. So if you are new to the state or even a new hunter and you're you know trying to find tags, um, you know, and maybe the availability of deer elk tags and the season that you want and the area that you want are available. Um, the, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife has done an amazing job of, of really making a lot of opportunities for bear hunters. Um, and there's really a lot of new things in the bear hunting world in Colorado this year as far as opportunity and you know, being able to get you know unaccompanied tags. So definitely check that out. A lot of opportunity for bears. And on a year like this with you know, drought conditions and a lot of bear activity, uh, good opportunity to get out there and create success in a black bear in Colorado. Well, and we do have a very robust bear population in Colorado. We talk about bear interaction all the time on this show. And the the herd could use some culling. We could stand to reduce the population a little bit, especially in dry years like this, because we're going to see more human-bear interaction, and we can prevent some some bad things by keeping the population down so that the, the habitat can support what's there a little better. I have one other question I want to circle back. You talked about the deer movement because of that the velvet coming off and I was up in Estes a couple weeks ago and I saw a mix of hard antlers and velvet antlers. But what about the elk? You know, people always say, Oh, I I need cold weather to push those elk down. I I would think that this isn't going to be a long enough cold event to really move them as far as the range they're in, just going to affect their activity level. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. You're you don't, you're not going to get a migration until the food source is gone. That's really what causes the migration. A lot of people think it's cold, uh, when in reality, if they have grass to eat, whether it's green grass or you know dried grass, um, they're content with that. So the only thing that actually moves them is physical snow. When snow is going to cover their food source, that's when you're going to get a migration. Now, obviously, you know we might get a foot of snow in the high country, uh, but it's going to last you know 12 hours, 15 hours, and it's going to start melting. Um, so we don't see a migration. 
duration, generally speaking, until the earliest middle of October. You know, last year we had uh, you know some heavier snow that kind of stuck around, big cold front that locked it in, um, and we did see some migrations. But generally speaking, no migrations until at least middle of October, um, later October, and in some cases it's even you know mid to late November before we get enough snow uh, to cause those bigger herd migrations. But the biggest thing is this cold front will put these animals in the rut. So it doesn't matter if you're hunting, you know, 5,500, 6,000 feet in elevation or up, uh, you know, 10, 12,000 feet in elevation. The cold is going to to help the, the cows come into the heat. It's going to help the bulls start bugling. And it's going to increase your availability of, one, locating the animals, two, using calling ability uh, to call those animals in, and three, it just kind of, you know, in, in the nicest way possible, the bulls get their mind on something else, and it makes them very much more approachable, even from the sense of just walking up um, and getting a shot opportunity at these animals. Their mind is elsewhere. So it really, the cold, more than moving the animals, is all about the rut um, and bringing on those opportunities of vocalizing them. So one, you can you know, hear them to locate them, two, to call them in, three, just to, to distract them so you have opportunities. So that's really what this Tuesday storm is going to do to increase all that availability of the, the elk to hunters. Last question before I let you go, I'm going to switch gears on you. If you were planning a fishing trip either this weekend or right after that cold front, where would you go? You know, I tell you, with this cold front coming in, it is going to really just increase that activity. Spinning Mountain Reservoir up in South Park, you hear us talk about it all the time. I mean, our average fish is, you know, in the 20 to 24 inch range i mean we, we're just not seeing small fish it's all big fish it is fishing amazing right now our fish are in shallow water all the fish that we're catching are in two to four feet that two to four feet of water will experience a temperature change in this quick burning 36 hour storm um and with that colder water those fish will not leave they will stay in that shallow water they're going to feel the effects of that water and they are going to lose their mind um so if i was planning a fishing trip um, I think spinning would be my top destination. Um, and, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I don't think you're going to find better fishing in the state with, due to the effects of that storm. So that would probably be my, my main phase where I would go right now. All right. People want to book a trip. They want more information. How do they find you, Nate? Absolutely. You can go to Tightline Outdoors on our Facebook page, tightlineoutdoors.com. Um, and you can always check uh, you know, Instagram for Nate Zielinski for more hunting stuff. Um, and we are going to announce some stuff on our Facebook page this week, some great information uh, in regards, we'll say, to ice fishing tournaments. Um, so we're excited about that. So everybody, if you want more information about ice addiction, you want to hear some facts, things that are going on with it, uh, stay tuned to our Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook this week, uh, and you'll be getting some information on that. All right, my friend, we will talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski, Tightline Outdoors, always a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out, and Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Tim Crosby, you're uh, digging some great stuff up today, Kyle. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phone. And joining us from uh, Discount Tackle and guide, PAR's Guide Service is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on. I want to give you a heads up that uh, Ken from Arvada sent, me a, sent us a question asking about the pheasant population. Probably don't know too much yet, but I know you've been out dove hunting. So after we get done talking some fishing, we may address that. We'll address that for Ken and get, bring him up to speed on what we know. But first, Definitely. I want to... I, first of all, I want to talk to you about, we've got this beautiful warm weekend. 
where I think the high country is going to be just gorgeous. And they'll be, but we're going to get a change in the middle of this week. And unlike spring, when you get a front like this where it shuts things down, I think this is going to put fall fishing into gear. What are you seeing out there, and what are your thoughts? Man, we were just talking about that down here at the store, That especially up in the mountains where we'll have these trout starting to feel that colder temperature with even some temperatures maybe even dropping into the teens. Uh, we could have some fantastic fishing in places like Delaney Buttes. It might even spur some spawning activity at places like the Dream Stream. But then even Spinney and Antero can go from kind of that late summer doldrum period where people are still catching some fish, but into a period where it really turns on fire. So if you were headed out in the next, we have a long weekend. We have today yet. We've got Sunday and Monday, and then Tuesdays when it really changes. Let's, let's break this down into a couple. If I'm doing a trip yet on this holiday weekend, where would you head? And then let's talk about where we might go different after that cold front. Definitely. So starting off on the front range, because as we've mentioned all throughout the year, the lack of shad at Chatfield is still creating a bite that's been very good, but with enough shad that it's starting to fatten some fish up. So my favorite jigging wrap bite has been producing some better fish, even upwards of 27, 28 inches as of late. Starting to see those bigger females uh, appearing, but still decent numbers of uh, smaller fish along the edges of the gravel pits. But if I were to be heading out somewhere else, the low water out northeast is certainly concerning. Um, McConaughey would be high on my list if I want to take my boat somewhere. But places like Sterling and Jackson and now with the fish salvage at Bar, um, things are are not looking ideal out that way. So I would be thinking about going and uh, either fishing a river like the Arkansas where you're having still decent flows, plenty of room to spread out. I like the Eagle River a lot this time of year. That can be good, but with the heat once again for the next couple of days, fishing in the morning, uh, and then maybe shifting somewhere else in the evening, even up to like a high elevation lake to target some cutthroats can be very good. But then also some of the deeper water lake trout uh, at places like Williams Fork and Granby have been participating a little bit. Uh, But then after the cold front, that's where I would be definitely thinking about North Park. And North Park, you know, before we get to North Park more and after the cold front, let's talk. You mentioned McConaughey, just kind of threw it in there. After this cold front front goes through, uh, McConaughey's forage base tends to really respond to these these cold snaps and, and gather up. And the water is down at McConaughey again, which concentrates the fish. In years past, in fact, you can see some tele- some shows on it on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wistrom. We've gone out after those McConaughey walleye spooning, and after a cold front like this with the water down, it can be one of the spooning and jigging wrap bites, one of the most phenomenal bites in the area, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, a little bit of backstory. In the early 2000s, the water was down low for a decade plus, and it allowed uh, big trees to actually grow up in places that were previously lake. And over the last 10 years, the water's been actually quite high, and all those trees have been substantially submerged, giving these fish really solid refuge and having it be very difficult to actually target those fish in certain areas. Um, But with the water falling uh, as we're moving into uh, the middle part of September here all of a sudden, Uh, you're going to be seeing a lot of those trees come out of the water and the sand flats are going to start emerging again as the places that you want to fish. So throwing things with treble hooks like uh, flea fly jigging spoons. I really like a company called Real Bait. Uh, Jigging spoons are kind of a coffin spoon, but then as you mentioned, the, the jigging wraps as well, both on vertical and cast, could potentially lead to some of the biggest fish out of some people's lives uh, for right now. I mean, you're going to be seeing 
fish that are going to be routinely in that 12 to 14 pound range in the fall. Um, and it's certainly something that I want to be targeting with the lower water level out there. Yeah, if you want to drive a little bit right now, um, do some homework. Make sure you can launch where you're going and things. Take yeah, a look take at about the a uh, drive at times. Yeah, take a look at my video on uh, on uh, the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But get out there because um, when that bite is on with those, you mentioned those sand flats. There's one huge major point in the middle of the north of the lake that drops off into some other flats. And it almost always concentrates fish when we have these conditions. And it's just one of my favorite places to fish. So if you weren't going to McConaughey, though, after this cold front, you mentioned North Park. What would you concentrate on? So North Park definitely is high on my list, as I mentioned. Just pre-spawn on some of those browns up there. And a big front like this really can give you an opportunity to target some of those really big fish up there, throwing things like jerk baits, tube jigs, even more of a trolling application up at North Delaney can be very, very effective with still fly fishing, obviously, in play as well. But talking about trophy fish, it's a time that you could legitimately get that 30-plus-inch brown or cud bow up there. And Lake John's been a little bit slower this summer, but then once again, spurring with this cold snap, that can be also very, very good. Uh, and, I mean, North Park is one of my favorites in the fall, and, and that can all be very effective. But South Park also can be very good, too. And Taro, as soon as that starts getting cold again with how shallow that lake is, things start to respond a lot faster than in other places. And you can have those fish really, really fire up with a location that's slightly closer to Denver with still very, very high-quality fish and uh, pre-spawn brown bites. And I think we need to tell people you got to start looking for kokanee bites, too. That is starting to set up. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Blue Mesa, and then I've even been hearing at Wolford, there's been big, big schools of kokanee that people have been vertical jigging, and then definitely more of a long-range trip. But the Flaming Gorge bite from multiple people that I've heard has just been absolutely out of control with big salmon, even salmon that are pushing that 23, 24-inch range. Uh, they're falling up in huge schools up there, and and things like a, a P-line laser minnow has been very effective, but then the brighter colors of those real bait tackle spoons on the vertical jig is great as well. One little kind of point of, of deal that I like a lot, uh, if you don't have a sonar or you're not being able to see where those fish are, if you can take a line counter reel off of one of your rods, get some braid on there and slap it on a, a little bit smaller bait caster, that can be very effective to tell you exactly what depth they're in because a lot of times they'll set up in one depth, and if you get back to that same depth in, in the middle of the water column every single time, you can catch those fish more consistently. All right, now I want to switch gears with you. Ken from Arvada wants to know about the pheasant population, and I'll preface this that uh, we have Ed Gorman, who's the biologist. He comes on every year in October um, because 80 to 90% of the pheasants harvested in any year are that year's hatch. And we didn't have ideal weather, but I don't know how it affected it yet. And I haven't been in the field, but it's difficult at this point in the season to really know where the pheasants are at. Now, I know you were out yeah. dove hunting. So as you were out dove hunting, what did you see as far as doves? And did you, little different habitat, but did you see pheasants? No pheasants, unfortunately. And unfortunately, Ken, the, the, the cover looks absolutely horrible. Um, I mean, I would give it, you know, like a 2.5 out of 10 rating. There's a couple places that have a little bit of cover in there, but I didn't get didn't find anything deeper than knee-high grass. The CRP, unfortunately, has come through on the emergency hang and grazing act um, in the CRP. And throughout uh, the western states, there are, uh, the farmers and ranchers are allowed to actually cut the CRP down that was there. 
and feed the cattle. So it's really, uh, unfortunately, I'm afraid it's going to not be uh, a fantastic season. The wheat is really low. Uh, the corn and dryland corn is low. It is dry as a bone. And there were some doves out there, but very concentrated populations. There's areas that have a lot of doves, and there's areas that don't have a lot of doves. So if you're going out there on a dove hunt, um, before this front especially, uh, try and find, you know, if you're not finding the birds, adjust and, and, and keep driving until you do. But hopefully after this cold front, it'll push some of these birds out, but maybe it'll push some new birds in. Yeah, so we'll get some northern birds. I'm um, we're Again, uh, for Ken and Orvada, Ken, we will get Ed Gorman on. And even in bad years, there are always some good areas to hunt. So we'll break Definitely. it down more in, in about six, six weeks, six, eight weeks. We'll break it down so we can point you in the right direction to have a successful year. The initial look isn't good, but we've had years where it didn't look good before Austin, and all of a sudden there was pheasants everywhere, so we'll see what happens. Yep. Maybe they're out in the corn and some of the irrigated areas, and, and uh, I think that as with all of the things we do, scouting is going to be important. Oh, and it, and it really doesn't do too much good to start scouting until you get into October. Nope. Exactly, especially right. with this hanging, grazing, emergency cutting. you gotta, you got to wait till right before season to figure out what's going on. All right, my friend, thank you so much. People want to get a hold of you for more information. Where do they find you? I'm a discount fishing tackle, six blocks south of Evans on Santa Fe. All right, my friend, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you so much. That's Austin Parr. Always a great, great resource for us on a number of topics. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk some shooting right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're into hunting, fishing, kayaking, camping, even grilling, Jack's can take care of you. Stop by one of their stores. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us is from Colorado Clays is J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Good morning, Terry. Um, it's beautiful. We're going to have an incredible weekend. Then, then it's going to get a little cold and wet, and it's going to get really nice again. Uh, this is going to affect some of the bird hunting and things as we go forward, some positively, some, neg- some negatively. But what about these guys that have been out chasing these doves and haven't hit many of them? You got any recommendations for them? Well, you know, first, Terry, I suppose, what do I tell everyone getting ready for any season? That's You need to spend some time at Colorado Clays. I sometimes may need to practice what I preach a bit more, uh, and I'll leave that at that. But, you know, Terry, <laughs> I have uh, just had a – big influx of people getting ready for dove season prior to opening day and i've actually had quite a few after opening day come back and say they need a little more or uh need to get ready and you know the the big question i have terry is where should i practice once i get to colorado clays for the doves and you know as everybody knows colorado clays has so many shotgunning opportunities uh it can be you know hard to decide where to start so you know, with the training trap, that's just a nice straightaway. The we got our seven regulation trap fields, the two NSSA certified skeet fields, two wobble, wobble traps overlaid on those fields, which are fantastic for different distances and angles. And then our 15 station course, which is in the creek bottom and the trees, which actually kind of simulates a lot of the dove hunting areas. But I guess the answer to that question is going to be if you're new to hunting or shooting sports, maybe if it's been a while or you have a new gun, I always recommend a visit to our shotgun pattern area to confirm first that your gun is shooting where you're aiming, 
And then a lot of people like to follow that up with the straightaway on the training trap just to confirm those results. Then, of course, a round of trap is always a great way to work on the fundamentals sequence of stance, gun mount, sight picture, target acquisition, focus, lead, and follow through. Just, you know, repeat those, that repetitive development of consistency and memory in proper form. Um, and then, of course, from there, Terry, nothing beats the Colorado Clays Sporting Clays course, which by design simulates a multitude of target presentations you may encounter while you're on your hunt. And the biggest uh, thing I tell people is make sure you spend a little more time practicing on the targets you have trouble hitting than the other ones. And like I said, that's the beauty of Colorado Clays. You have that option. Hey, I want to get back to the patterning real quick. Um, I know during turkey season we've talked specifically about turkey loads and guns, and you've compiled a tremendous amount of information. Just patterning for, like, upland game, doves, pheasants, or even waterfall, have you uncovered anything that's really jumped out at you as far as new guns or shots or loads that that you've just been surprised by? Terry, I must say uh, in the last month I have patterned a lot of new shotguns because everybody knows the – uh, people have been buying them up, and it is amazing to me how many people never thought of patterning a gun, and we get up to the pattern area and find out that gun is shooting so far high, low, left or right of where it should be from where they're aiming, and uh, of course, all the new guns are very adjustable. You know, we can we can adjust, you know, sights and cast on, off. Um, every, everything is adjustable, so one thing I have noticed uh, most of these guns are shooting higher than people think. And the second thing is a lot of them are always asking about choke selection, and they have a tendency to be surprised at the size of their pattern at a given distance. And you get too open and you start stretching it, uh, there's bird size holes in your pattern. And, uh, you know, so all of these things before you start can just make such a difference. And I must say that, yeah, probably the number one thing is where the gun hits versus where you're actually aiming when you're holding it properly. And then pattern, you know, overall pattern density and uh, size at a relative or given distance is the most surprising thing to most folks. I know in turkey hunting, we also discovered that the position you shoot from changed the impact of your pattern quite a bit. Absolutely, Terry. And most people on a dove hunt are going to be from a standing position, whether they are you know, walking up birds or even if they're waiting at a water hole or whatever they're doing. So most of the dove hunters, we've been doing uh, a standing uh, shot to simulate what they're going to be doing. But you're right, Terry, uh, one thing that absolutely has this tendency to change how people hold their head on the gun is the sitting position. And I would encourage anybody that thinks they're going to be shooting from a sitting position to pattern that gun from a sitting position because uh, of all the years I've been doing this, I have noticed that everybody tends to pattern high, if anything, from that position. Now, we got... Big game hunting underway. What about sighting in rifle scopes? You still got that going on? Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, uh, of course, we're here all the time, uh, you know, one of the top rifle ranges anywhere. But I will encourage people once again, we kind of went over the rifle sighting clinic, uh, but this thing is just all-inclusive. The uh, It starts with safety, uh, gun function, ammo selection, ballistics, trajectories, 
Uh, we'll do some talking on optics, shooting techniques, bore sighting, and much more. And, of course, all of that is done in the beautiful Colorado Clays rifle range featuring our 10 bays of 100-yard video viewing sight in. And what that means is you literally have a camera on your target and a monitor in your bay for real-time sight in. We have that 50-yard intermediate target, so if we do a bore sight, rather than wasting a bunch of ammo to get on paper at 100, we can start at the 50 and jump right up. And, of course, we offer so many shooting positions, and again, same thing with the rifle, Terry, that changes things. So uh, we can practice sitting, standing, prone, even on sticks, whatever you think your hunt's going to give to you. And, of course, the most important thing, once again, this is taught by NRA certified instructors that also work at Colorado Clays and have a lifetime of experience in the field. So highly recommend this um, to get ready for season. Speaking of your instructors, you have quite a variety of classes during the year, don't you? Oh, absolutely, Terry. And I'll tell you what, one of the most common and popular ones right now is the, the Colorado Clays Concealed Carry class. So if you've made the choice to get a concealed carry permit, you know, what are you looking for in a class? And I think the answer is simple, Terry. You're going to want the most comprehensive, educational, hands-on program uh, you're going to want that taught by the most highly qualified, experienced, and certified instructors in the industry. And, of course, you want to do this at a safe, comfortable, state-of-the-art facility, which is um, you know, accessible not just during the class, but anytime you want to come back and work on your skills. And that is what the Colorado Clays class offers, and that's why it's so popular right now. If people want to get a hold of you, they want more information, JR, uh, how do they find you? Well, please give uh, any of us a call here at the range, 303-659-7117. Go to our website, look at the dates for these classes, uh, sign up, give us a call. uh, We'll get you on and uh, take the virtual tour, get a look at our facility before you come out. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see everyone. Well, and the other thing, folks, when you're out there, Ask him why he never calls me until after he gets back from fishing instead of asking me to go with him. JR, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. All right, Terry. Thank you. You bet. That's JR Pierce from uh, Colorado Clays. Great people, great organization. You'll love it out there. Um, Terry Wixham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Um, we're going to take a quick time out and we get back. Michelle Siebert's going to join us from Bar Lake and update us on the situation all out there. All that and more on Terry Wixham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, Kyle, you always play these great Eagle songs towards the end of the show, and I have to listen even if I'm running out of time. Yeah, it's a good way to send it out, but then all you want to do is listen to it. So I, I have a bit of a conundrum on my hands. But keep playing them. You'll never hear me complain about the Eagles. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're into fishing, hunting, camping, even grilling, they have it. And right now, they've got a huge sale on outdoor shoes and clothing going on. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Bar Lake is Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. Um, You guys are having a little bit of an issue out there. It's popped up off and on during the show. We haven't got into it in detail because I knew you were coming on. Um, First of all, I guess, tell us what's the status of things out at Bar Lake. 
Um, as of yesterday, we announced the emergency public fish salvage that started. So that means that there's no um, fishing limits. You do need to have a valid fishing license. And why that's happening is, you know, we all know that it's been a very hot summer. Bar Lake is used for irrigation. The water is actually owned by the Farmers Reservoir Irrigation Company. So there's been a lot of calls for water. Um, we have low waters. The uh, water temperatures are high. And we have um, low dissolved oxygen levels. So we really... Um, want to be able to have people come out and fish, um, and, um, you know, we don't want to have a loss of fish. Now, right now, you, because of the low water, your boat ramp is closed, correct? It is. The boat ramp is closed, but we're still open for hand launch. Um, so know that you can bring out a canoe, a kayak. Um, it's a little bit of a walk, um, but we, you can still get a, a small boat out there. And I would think with the lake down and the fish concentrated, if you could get out in a kayak or a canoe or a small boat that you can hand launch, the fishing has been phenomenal out there. I would think it would be terrific right now. You know, that's what that's what we're thinking, too. You know, it's a concentrated body of water now, so it's a great time to come out and, and try out that fishing pole maybe that you haven't had out all year. What about from shore? Are there opportunities from shore right now, or is it difficult to get close enough to it because of the mud, or what's the situation? Well, you know, it's pretty dry, actually, and so there is a lot of shoreline with the water levels down. Um, there's a lot of shore access. It's not super muddy, so it's really a great opportunity to bring the family out, um, your family, friends, and just fish from shore or bring out a canoe or kayak. So... What do you think the long-term effects? Bar Lake has been through this situation before. As you said, it's an irrigation lake. It's, uh, we're having a dry year. We get a super dry light year like this. We're going to get water demands. What's the prognosis as we move forward? You know, we'll rebuild the fisher, fishery immediately when we can start having water come back in. You know, the water rights for Bar Lake um, can start November 1st. Um, so, you know, 2012 and 2013, we're at similar, similar water levels. And, you know, in 2016, we had our best walleye year. So, you know, it's the goal of Colorado Parks and Wildlife to, to rebuild the fishery. And, you know, I can remember back um, in 2013, there was that small pool of water. And, you know, we still had great fishing the next year. So, you know, we, we're committed to rebuilding it. And, you know, it's not going to be drained dry. So I think that's what's important to realize, too, is that the lake is not going to be drained dry. There's going to be a small pool of water of 400 surface acres that's at conservation level. So that's just an important point to know, too. All right. And what about as we get into the fall, if you start getting water in, will they restock you with trout? They do in the winter, I know, sometimes in the fall. You know, that could be a possibility. You know, that's all up to our fish biologists. But it is our goal um, of Parks and Wildlife to make sure that we, um, you know, restock the fishery. So we want to be able to have a great fishery for our community. So we'll do our best to do what we can. On, and aside from that, the park still has so much to offer. Take us qu real quickly through the park activities that are still available and what's going on out there. Yeah, so Bar Lake is still a great destination um, for fall activities. We're just right outside of Denver. Our nature center is open um, Wednesday through Sundays. We have dove hunting for the month of September, waterfowl in, the, um, in October. We have our archery range. We also have our fall birding festival coming up next Saturday where we'll have live raptors. Uh, make sure you check our website. Some reservations are required for some of that due to COVID restrictions. But, you know, the 
fall is a great time to come to Bar Lake. The birding is amazing, migration. So bring out the family and have a great time. Uh, it is just a great, great place, Michelle, and you do such a great job of managing and promoting it. We look for it to bounce back quickly, but people should take advantage. You know, everybody says, boy, I'd like to have a few walleyes to eat. Well, there's a good population of walleyes in Bar Lake. Get out and catch a few and take them home. That's right. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle, and uh, hopefully people will get out and take advantage of it. Thank you, Terry. Be safe. You bet. That's Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. You know, it. We're going to go through some of this. We're going to, we had this at Jumbo Reservoir that they had to do a fish salvage. We got a lot of our eastern lakes are really being drawn down. It's going to affect bird hunting. It's going to affect a lot of things. But if you listen to this show, we're going to keep you informed on it. In fact, you should follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll get updated reports. We'll do podcasts of important information like this in case you missed it. We'll also, as I get in the field myself, we'll give you new reports and updated information. And you can win trivia questions by going on our Facebook uh, Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And the answers to trivia questions magically appear on that Facebook page. And then during the next weekend, we tend to uh, give some really nice stuff away. And speaking of trivia... Um, our all-time trivia champion, I believe, is sitting in the studio. Is that right? Uh, it, it is true. In fact, though, I want to go back to Michelle's interview. She forgot to give you Bar Lake's new slogan. And that is? It is, fishing so easy, even Terry Wickstrom can do it. Oh, okay. Hey-oh! <laughs> oh, and Mr. Dan Jacobs, I missed you so much last week, not. But... <laughs> I am the trivia hey, champion, though. Thank for thank you for intru- introducing me properly with the, the proper credentials. Thank you, Terry. I missed you as well. I hope we right. have Beatles, hey, I uh, you some Beatles music today as well. So it's a great show. Well, you know, let me let me get to. Uh, I do have some legitimate Broncos questions. I've been on the air the last couple hours, so if they've made any moves today, I haven't heard yeah, about them. Yeah, they've made been... some actually some surprising moves. Anything you can tell us? You want to save it for the show? Um, we're going to get to those very first segment. I know Kyle Barry is bursting at the seams to get after those with me. But, yes, keep listening uh, because they're going to be coming out throughout the show. But, yes, there's two or three that are very, very surprising. Now, the Todd Davis thing surprised a lot of people yesterday. But if you look at it, in Fangio's defense, um, he depends on – somebody in the middle to cover linebackers and I mean running backs and tight ends and Todd Davis was great against the run everything I know about him he's a great guy a great team guy but he couldn't cover and so that meant you were going to be put into the nickel almost all the time to cover those other those other entities like the running backs and the tight ends um, do you think they're going to be able to adjust this defense or so that they'll be able to cover from the middle, or are they going to have to be in the nickel a lot? Well, I think what it touched on, what you touched on, Terry, is true, but it's a failure of John Elway. We knew all that. We all knew this going in, right? And he just a fail, John Elway failed to address it, so it's going to put them in a very, very tough spot, and they're going to have to hope they can compensate through yes, nickel coverage, or they're going to have to hope that their pass pass rush is better. Uh, by the way, one of the surprise cuts is that cornerback. Um, the cornerback position just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so the defense should be really, really good, but there's a couple really glaring weaknesses where they're going to have to, you know, overcompensate from other positions. So it's uh, 
I think they've gotten themselves into a little bit of hot water, but you know, because of their lack of planning, it's like fishing with the wrong bait, Terry. Yeah. Well, what about now? They wouldn't talk much about the practices this week, but it did leak out that Drew Locke looked tremendously better last night in that field practice. How do you feel about that? Yeah, what was the deal, by the way? Hey, you can't report. All, the, all of a sudden, it's like you can't talk about you know, what's going on in practice. Like, what's going on out there? Like, it's some sort of state secret. But, hey, that's great. I have high hopes for the Broncos. I'm Mr. Positive with the Broncos, even though the hits keep coming. Like, a lot of you know, things have come out through the last couple of days and weeks that are like, whoa, things are not trending as, as nicely as I'd like. But it's good. I have confidence in Drew Locke. I think he's going to have a nice year. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let, let you go. I'm going to wrap this up, and then we'll send it to you, and you can tell the people about all these moves, and I'll have to listen and find out what they were. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Listen to us every Saturday from 9 to 11. If you love hunting, fishing, camping, anything outdoors, this is what we're here for. Um, we have Colorado State Parks on. We bring you all the most up-to-date information from people who are in the field on a regular basis. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. A lot of the information, both before and after this show, are on that Facebook page, plus chances to win trivia. That's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. When it comes to the fishing, remember that uh, our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, has got about over 140, I think, episodes up right now. We did two television shows. We did uh, Mountain States Fishing, which was all filmed within a day's drive of Denver, and we did angling adventures where we fished from South America to the Arctic Circle and across North America out to the Bahamas and into California. But we always filmed a few of those shows here, too. So if you go to the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, at least half those shows are going to be right in your backyard. They're going to give you information you can use to catch fish right here or show you nice places or show you places close by you can go. We're going to, um, we're going to get out of here and let Dan... Get us up to speed on what's going on with the Broncos. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.